from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The word chaos was what they used in their filings, going into radio silence on some of these issues. The, the problem, I think, is that the judge in Cole County made his order so broad. You know, in, in the eyes of the courts, the attorney general is just another lawyer with an opinion. Uh, his opinions aren't binding. Uh, he doesn't have the authority to force school boards to do anything like this. And we made that point back to him in the letter. I'm Sarah Fetsky. Last week, Attorney General Eric Schmidt set off consternation and serious confusion with cease and desist letters to public health agencies and school districts across Missouri. Schmidt informed them about a recent court victory won by his office in Cole County, and then he ordered them to stop enforcing mask mandates, quarantine orders, or other public health orders cited in that Cole County case. He said their authority was now null and void, and he threatened legal action if they persisted in the kind of COVID precautions that have become commonplace across the U.S. Some public health departments announced they would no longer do contact tracing, enforce public health measures, or even count COVID cases. Some school districts also altered their COVID rules. But not Lee's Summit. The school district near Kansas City sent a letter right back to Eric Schmidt telling him, in essence, to back off. That letter was written by attorney Joe Hatley. He's a partner at the law firm Spencer Fain, and he joins us today with more on this story. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Good afternoon, Sierra. So, Joe, the Missouri attorney general told your client to cease and desist. That sounds very serious, but you wrote back to say, no, we're not going to do that. Why? Well, the first reason is that he simply doesn't have the authority under state law to tell the school board to cease and desist its COVID mitigation efforts. Um, He's simply wrong about that. And more fundamentally, I think the feeling was that his letter encroached on the authority of the Board of Education, which is a locally elected body, uh, to make its own decisions and to, to follow the law, which state law allows it to do. It's allowed to run its own affairs free from interference by the attorney general. So let's talk about this case in Cole County, because this is what he's pointing to as saying, hey, because of this, y'all have to change what you're doing. Um, Why does what happened in Cole County not apply to a school district there in the Kansas City area? Well, first of all, Sarah, I just need to correct one thing. He actually lost that case. Um, the Department of Health and Human Services was sued, and the Attorney General's office defended the health, uh, the department, and they actually lost. So then he's trying to turn that loss into leverage, uh, trying to say that school districts no longer have the authority to adopt COVID mitigation measures. And that's simply not what that case was about. So sort of a uh, way of, of winning uh, by losing is sort of how he's he's framed this? Yes. And uh, there is some suspicion that maybe he didn't put up as strong of a fight as he could have in that lawsuit because it was an effort to challenge the COVID mitigation measures that local health departments had been putting into place. Mm-hmm. Um, but all this case said was that the regulations under which the local health departments are uh, things like mask mandates and the like, 
the judge there said that's unconstitutional. School districts weren't even a part of that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't involved in the case. And the case really turned on the fact that unelected people were making those decisions. Our point is that a school board is an elected body, has the legal authority to make the decisions, and that the Cole County case simply doesn't apply. So let's say that uh, that that's correct. The Cole County case doesn't apply. But here we have the Missouri Attorney General. He's issuing this letter. He's saying this is his opinion. Would that be binding? No, it's not. Um, you know, in, in the eyes of the courts, the Attorney General is just another lawyer with an opinion. Um, his opinions aren't binding. Uh, he doesn't have the authority to force school boards to do anything like this. And we made that point back to him in the letter uh, that he uh, he really has no authority over school boards in this area. And so your opinion on this, and I understand they're not your client, but say that you represented schools in Cole County, Missouri, where this case happened, that you don't even see this as being binding on those school districts um, because this does not relate to school districts. You're absolutely right. It does not bind school districts. What about, what's your opinion as it relates to other public, county public health departments across the state? Would the Cole County ruling, which deals with the Cole County Health Department, would that be binding on them? Well, I think a lot of the local health departments have uh, viewed this decision pretty conservatively and do not want to take a chance of being found in contempt of court because the decision said that the local health departments lack the authority to implement certain orders uh, if those orders are made by what the judge called bureaucrats, unelected officials. Um, so I think the local health departments are being very cautious here, and that's why we're seeing them back away. So if a health department in one of these Missouri counties wanted to take a more aggressive response to this, wanted to find a way to fight back on the AG, would it be your opinion as a lawyer that there might be some case law that says, hey, this Cole County ruling doesn't apply to these other counties in Missouri either? Um, Possibly they could. The the problem, I think, is that the judge in Cole County made his order so broad that I think local health officials are probably a bit fearful of uh, being brought in by that judge and perhaps having to go through contempt of court proceedings, for instance. I, I don't represent them. I don't know what's going on inside their offices, but I would have to assume that there is some concern uh, in that regard. Hmm. And that's why you're seeing them back up. Yeah, so there has been re- reporting across the state. Uh, Scott, New Madrid, Laclede, and Stoddard counties all say that they have, quote, been forced to cease all COVID-19 related work. It might be that they're taking a sort of conservative response to what they're seeing in this ruling, but sometimes people, I think, decide not to fight back because they are terrified of being sued. Uh, Joe Hatley, in this case, can you see how this could have struck fear in the hearts of, of bureaucrats who maybe don't have access to fancy lawyers just trying to do their job? Absolutely. I think the uh, local health departments have been under siege for the last two years, and uh, this may just be the cherry on top of that. Uh, It's given certainly people uh, a feeling that they can push back aggressively against some of the local health department orders. And uh, I think they've decided that uh, probably discretion being the better part of valor, they're simply going to back off for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, that in some cases, we're seeing that they're even refusing to provide guidance uh, to, say, school districts about what they should do, even if they lack the authority to issue an order. Mm-hmm. They're simply 
going into radio silence on some of these issues. Boy, I thought the guidance thing was somewhat worrisome. And another part of this that caught my attention is in some cases, they're not going to be any longer publicly announcing even how many COVID-19 cases there are. It seems like people might be flying blind in some of these counties, not even knowing what kind of impact these changes could be making. Yeah, that that is a really unfortunate aspect of that. And just from my perspective, that seems to be perhaps a bit of an overreaction because, uh, as we pointed out in our letter, we want to make our decisions at school boards based upon the data and the science. Well, if nobody's out there collecting the data, that then makes it very difficult for the school boards to use that data to make their decisions. Um, so that's that's an area where I, I personally feel like there's a bit of an overreaction and they are not doing uh, really a fundamental part of their job, which is gathering that data and at least pushing the data out. Hmm. So as relates to these smaller counties and these public health authorities that, you know, just aren't even sure what they're allowed to do at this point, Rob Gatter is a professor at St. Louis University School of Law, and he told our reporter Sarah Kellogg that for counties, this might come down to whether they're charter subdivisions of the state. He said that St. Louis City and St. Louis County have a great deal of power that smaller counties don't have. The quote from Gatter was, they may not have the same kinds of authority that was passed to them in the first place. Their public health officials may have been relying exclusively on the regulations that were declared unconstitutional in this case. Um, Joe Hatley, talking through some of this, you can see why so many people are confused. This is all so complicated, and it seems like some entities, like your client, the Lee Summit School District, really has a great response to this. In other cases, it might be a much murkier matter here. Yeah, and I think that's been pointed out. Uh, as you may know, St. Louis County and Jackson County, which are charter counties, filed a motion to intervene in the Cole County case uh, so that they could appeal that ruling. And the word chaos was what they used in their filings. Chaos is what we're seeing all over the state uh, because of this decision. And that's just been made worse by an attorney general letter that um, uh, may be overstepping his bounds. So, Joe, I'm glad you brought up this fact that they are now trying to intervene in this case. This is Jackson County, St. Louis County, and they're basically asking the judge to hold off on making this final to let them weigh in and say, hey, if we're affected by this, you know, we want to be able to have a voice in this. As a lawyer, do you think that there's a chance? Is, is it too late for them to try to make this kind of intervention now that this case is this far along? Technically, it shouldn't be too late. I believe the judge has given them a deadline of this Friday to decide whether they want to actually have a hearing in front of him, and if not, he's just going to make a decision. Um, so I think they've done it in time, and it remains to be seen what that judge will do and then what their options are, uh, depending upon what the judge does. I think, I think we would all hope that, at a minimum, they will be in a position to be able to appeal that judgment and get some guidance from the appellate courts as to whether that decision is correct or not. Okay, so we're talking again about that uh, decision that came down in Cole County, one that the Attorney General was representing the State Health Department, managed to lose that case and are now using it to basically take a cudgel to public health restrictions across the country. Other parties may try to jump in there and intervene. It's very interesting to see how this could play out. Certainly some unusual uh, legal circumstances here to talk through. And we're delighted that we're joined today by Joe Hatley. Uh, he's a partner with the law firm Spencer Fain, wrote that letter that you may have seen 
seen online went a little bit viral, responding to Attorney General Eric Schmidt as he uh, tries to enforce his will through cease and desist letters. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Joe. And after that, we'll discuss local efforts to save the Fraser fur. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. You're listening to St. Louis Public Radio and St. Louis on the Air. I'm Nick Aquisto here with Rachel Lipman, and this is our winter membership drive. And before you go anywhere, stay with us for a brief break because we have some exciting news. Right now we have a match. The next $2,500 that we raise will be matched dollar for dollar. So this is the best time for you to make your gift and double your impact. You do that by donating right now at stlpr.org or by calling 314-516-4000 right now. Don't wait. Here at St. Louis Public Radio, we're not just reporting on the St. Louis community. We're a part of it. That's one reason that I'm excited that in this fund drive, everyone has the opportunity to strengthen the community in two ways. Not only do we have a match, but we also have the ability for you to make even more of an impact in St. Louis, both St. Louis Public Radio and the community we occupy. If you make a gift of $14 a month or more and choose the Ready Reader book set... When you make that gift, you will be giving a set of books to a young reader. What an amazing way to build community. You're benefiting both St. Louis Public Radio and a child who maybe doesn't have easy access to books. Please contribute now at stlpr.org to spark imagination through reading and through programs on St. Louis Public Radio. You can get that Ready Reader book set for someone else, someone who needs it. Stop for a minute and think about this program, St. Louis on the Air. You're listening because it has value to you. You enjoy the local conversations with authors, politicians, artists, musicians, and attorneys. And we would like to thank you and all of the programs and special reports and events and podcasts you find on St. Louis Public Radio are here Thanks to your listener support. Thanks to your support. And this is a vital service that must continue to thrive. I'm asking you to join in with your own donation now of $12 a month. It's so easy to do at stlpr.org or call us at 314-516-4000 right now. I would call St. Louis on the Air our local flagship program. We have the power and the ability at St. Louis Public Radio to get movers and shakers to sit down with us in front of a live microphone and talk about what they're doing. The creatives, the politicians, the local thought leaders, the attorneys like we have on the show today, or we're going to have somebody later on on St. Louis on the Air from the Missouri Botanical Garden to talk about the efforts to solve the Fraser fir, a great little Christmas story because that's a, a Christmas tree. A local program. Not many other stations have an hour dedicated to local programming. Your gift of any amount right now at stlpr.org helps keep that local flagship program alive. It's just a few simple clicks to make you the newest member of St. Louis Public Radio's community of supporters. And after that, you're on your way. You decide how much and how to give, whether it's one time or a repeating donation, and then you can select a thank you gift. It's easy to do and takes only a few minutes. And as we've mentioned, over the next couple of hours, your donation goes twice as far because we are matching $2,500. stlpr.org, 314-516-4000. You can either go online or talk to a real person. We're dedicated to serving the people of St. Louis and your best interests. stlpr.org, 314-516-4000. And thanks as always for your support. 
Support comes from YouthBridge Community Foundation, dedicated to helping families, businesses, and nonprofits work together to build a better St. Louis. Read success stories at youthbridge.org. And the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, with Stefan Denev leading two performances of New Year's Eve celebration music with the SLSO, featuring Gershwin favorites and more, Friday, December 31st at Powell Hall, slso.org. This is St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. We're talking today to attorney Joe Hatley. He's an attorney with Spencer Fain um, and somewhat went viral in this past week as he was firing back at Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt over his attempt to uh, strike down uh, public health measures across the state of Missouri. Uh, The attorney general made the argument that that applied to school districts. Attorney Joe Hatley, who works for the Lee's Summit School District, he is saying that is not the case at all. Uh, Joe, I have to ask, your letter was pretty salty. I want to include I want to read here just a um, a little bit of a quote from this letter. You talked about the warning being, quote, a baseless attack on the board's legal authority to act in accordance with Missouri law in protecting them against a disease that has killed over 15,000 Missourians. That language certainly got a lot of people's attention. Are you worried that could draw the attorney general's ire, that even if the law is on your side, they're now going to be gunning for you? Uh, Not necessarily. I think the attorney general's been suing uh, people left and right across the state, um, in many cases, on some what we believe to be rather thin grounds. Uh, I think, and I, I can't necessarily speak for any particular school district, but the feeling is if he's sending out the letters, he may sue anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just felt like it was important to reestablish the school board's authority and perhaps make him think twice about whether he wanted to file such a suit. Uh, did you hear from uh, Attorney General Eric Schmidt after you sent him that letter? Uh, Yes, he sent a letter back uh, that came in uh, the other evening, uh, uh, just before 5 p.m., and, uh, you know, it was long on rhetoric, short on substance, in my view, Um, kind of the same old, same old in terms of uh, his talking points, but we don't feel that he actually uh, met the substance of, of the points we were making. So KCUR reported on this controversy. They are our sister station in Kansas City. Um, And they said that uh, Schmidt told them that there was precedent for the attorney general to enforce the law and protect the public from injury to the general welfare. Um, And they told uh, KCUR again that uh, if if Lee's Summit wanted to avoid a situation that invites lawlessness, the districts need to follow the law. What would you say to that invocation of you're kind of inviting lawlessness? By, by challenging him on this? Well, you know, it's the job of the courts to decide who's right. It's not his job. Uh, all he can do is come in and do what anyone else does who's dissatisfied with something a school board does, and that's file a lawsuit. But it's not his decision to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is up to the judges, and the judges will tell him whether he's right or not. Uh, we believe that the statutes are very clear in our favor. We cited those statutes to him. He didn't bother to address them in his response. He hasn't bothered to address those in in any of the uh, press releases and the like he's issued. Uh, so we believe very strongly that state law clearly allows the school district, the school board, to run its affairs, regardless of what he thinks. 
So as uh, this, the counties of Jackson County and St. Louis County uh, mentioned in their attempt to intervene in this lawsuit in Cole County, it's fair to say there's a great deal of confusion across the state of Missouri right now. Who's allowed to do what? We did also hear from some listeners who just had some questions about how all of this is sorting out. Uh, we heard from Kim on St. Louis Public Radio's Instagram who writes, is the attorney general encouraging parents to photograph, quote, examples of mask enforcement illegal? This is something I'm hearing a lot people on social media saying that for him to do that, that he may have crossed a line there. Um, as the counsel for Lee's Summit, do you have any concerns about his request that people do that? Well, we certainly have a concern about that, especially if parents are photographing other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a concern that that's violating the privacy rights of other children. A lot of school districts across the state have policies that limit or prohibit uh, the use of photography or recording on campus without running it through the proper channels. Uh, so that's certainly a concern, is that people who um, uh, really don't want to be a part of this are unwittingly being made a part of it because of things the Attorney General is encouraging people to do. Hmm. It has been interesting to see people react to this. There was headlines here in St. Louis where some parent, who apparently is also a police officer, got on board a school bus and was angry about the children being forced to wear masks on that school bus. Um, and, And it turns out that these school buses are apparently covered by federal law, where no matter what the district does, the kids have to wear these masks. But, you know, the bus driver was pretty freaked out about this. You can see how maybe um, this is causing just some angst for some of these school districts as they try to deal with this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the problem, I think, uh, with the attorney general asserting that he has authority he doesn't have. People who are not attorneys and don't recognize the the limits of the attorney general's authority are misunderstanding that and are waving these letters at bus drivers, at principals, at teachers, and making an already difficult job even harder not knowing that he doesn't, that the letter is nothing. He has to go to court and have a judge agree with him before it means anything. So we heard from a number of listeners with very strong opinions on this. We just got a call from Tom in Dutchtown. He says he's angry at the attorney general. He sees this as political posturing. On Facebook, Jennifer points to an NPR story about unvaccinated COVID patients packing Colorado hospitals. She writes, what is Schmidt's endgame? Is he hoping the state of Missouri ends up like Colorado? And what if our statewide health care system becomes completely overwhelmed and he's proved beyond any doubt to be an utterly incompetent, self-serving buffoon? That is from Jennifer Sarah writes, how much bad faith lawyering does Eric Schmidt get away with in the name of campaigning for higher office before he faces any professional consequences? Joe, you had mentioned earlier this theory that perhaps the attorney general who was representing the state health department didn't fight as hard as they could have on this suit in Cole County. Is that something where somebody could file a bar complaint against that? Well, I, you know, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of that. Uh, One of the things we mentioned in our letter uh, to him was a request that he uh, not destroy any records relating to, for instance, his refusal to appeal that decision. Uh, I think that's something that that would remain to be seen um, in terms of what might happen to him. You know, my perspective on this is the politics don't really matter. That's not my job to get into the political fight. I'm simply here to deal with what he can and can't do under the law. 
And asking for that litigation hold, um, is this something where the school district could pursue this down the road or you just want those records saved, uh, you know, so the record's accurate? Right. At this point, we've simply asked him to save the records because if a judge were to determine, for instance, that he were to sue and have sued in bad faith, we want to be able to get behind that and find out exactly, uh, you know, what he was thinking, what he was being told as to whether uh, any such suit he brings actually has legitimacy. Well, Joe Hatley, it's been great to pick your brain on this and, and learn a little bit more about how all this law works in this state of confusion we're in. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. It's been great to be with you. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill, with audio engineering by Aaron Doerr and production assistance from Jane Mather-Glass. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.